0: Thank you for listening to the Grace Chapel Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Kurt Henley. For more information about our church, visit our website at gracechapel.cc or follow us on social media at Grace Chapel, Ohio. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, Are you there? This is an awesome passage, you ready? There's some cool stuff in this today. So, powerful, powerful stuff. Now this morning we're looking at the temptation of Jesus, and and so our passage this morning is Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, and so we're going to just kind of dive into it this morning. So take a look with me at verse 1 and 2. It says this, And Jesus... "...full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry." Now, let's go back and kind of unpack these few verses a little bit. And I just wanted to give you some introductory thoughts about the whole issue of temptation. Verse 1 again, it says this. And Jesus, what? Full of the Holy Spirit. That is, what we learn here is that Jesus lived his earthly life, and he performed his earthly ministry as a spirit-filled man. That is, he chose not to rely on his divine nature. That is, understand, he did not empty himself of his divine nature. He simply chose not to exercise it. And so he willingly limited himself to what could be done by the guidance of God the Father, and by the empowering of God the Holy Spirit. That is, he chose to live this life by the same resources that we have available to us. And so please understand, he was tempted just like us, and he overcame that temptation with the same resources that are available to us, He did not tap into His divinity. He lived as a Spirit-filled man, the same as you and I, that is, if you are a believer and you have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you might write these down in the space I left for you in your notes under introductory thoughts about temptation. Here's the first thought. Jesus was tempted just like us. Jesus was tempted just like us. Jesus was tempted just like, he didn't cheat. He walked the same path we walked. Take, take a look at Hebrews chapter four, verse 15. It says this, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in what? Every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. That is to say, Jesus Jesus gets it. He has been there. Whatever temptation you face, Jesus has faced it too. That is, He chose to identify with us so that we know that he fully sympathizes with what we are going through. He is not a God who has sat up in his ivory tower, who does not understand the struggles in the path that you are walking. He chose to walk it. Now, if Jesus was tempted yet without sin, that means, here's thought number two, temptation is not a sin. Temptation is not a sin. That is, you know, Satan will try to trip you up to sin by convincing you that the presence of the temptation means that you've already failed. Have you ever fallen for that one? And so, for example, if you're tempted to be jealous or envious, the devil immediately accuses you and he He says to you in your mind, look, you know, look how selfish you are. I can't believe you thought that. Where did that come from? You're. And so you feel guilty for that thought. And so you feel like you have already failed. And so you just go click, click, click with the dominoes. Versus saying to yourself, Listen, I'm being tempted to go down this road. I'm being tempted to be jealous, so I capture that thought. I reject it and I say to myself, I am trusting in God. He has my best in mind. He has my back. He will provide what is best for me. I reject that thought. I reject that temptation to worry about someone else. That is ultimately temptation is not sin it's what we do with it that determines whether it it is victory or whether it is sin take a look at verse one again and jesus full of the holy spirit returned from the jordan and was what led by the spirit that is here's the next thought you may jot down God allows temptation. God allows temptation. Jesus was led. Listen, God does not cause evil, but he will use it in our lives for good. That is, we live in a broken world for now. And so here's what we know. Jesus is coming back and he will judge everything, and he will make all things right. He will do away with all evil. What he's accused of not doing now, make no mistake, he will do it. But in the meantime, as he seeks to save as many as possible so that they are not judged, he allows evil in a broken world. And so God, in His power, as we trust Him, will even take that which is evil and make it for good. He will produce His character in our lives. Take a look at verse 1 again. It says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, verse 2, for what? Forty days. Now, 40 days of intense temptation by Satan himself is a long time. (laughs) And 40 days has some significance to it. For example, you remember the Israelites wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years, and they failed every temptation. and, And yet Jesus succeeded in His. He did what we could not do. But here's the point that I want us to understand. You may write this down if you're taking notes. Temptation can be seasonal. Temptation can be seasonal. That is, sometimes, you know, a temptation comes, you reject it, you replace it with God's truth, you move on, no big deal. But often, often, it comes in intensity. Often it comes in longer durations, and often it comes in various ways. During that duration, it comes in strong seasons of difficulties. Now, I want us to make another point here and to understand that not only did Jesus not sin when he was tempted... His temptations were actually more severe than what you and I face. That is for us, oftentimes the pressure of temptation is released a little bit because we ultimately give in. <laughs> Jesus never gave in. He withstood and withstands a greater pressure of temptation than we will ever face because he never gave in. He never failed in one thought, one deed, ever. Verse 2 continues being tempted by the devil and he that's Jesus ate nothing during those days and when they were ended he was he was hungry now typically i i fast for 4 days and that's super hard for me 40 days that's just is a very long time and when you fast it's very difficult at the first But what you find is after a while, it becomes easier because your stomach shrinks and your body adjusts and you begin to lose your appetite. And And what I've learned about long fast here that Jesus was participating in is that when your appetite returns, that means you are on the verge of starving to death. That is, understand this is where Jesus was at. He was on the verge of being so physically deprived that he was starving to death. He was incredibly, incredibly physically weak, incredibly, incredibly emotionally weak. He was as vulnerable as he possibly could be, and so that's when the devil comes to make his strike. So write that down in the empty space there that you have. This is the last one. Hopefully you had room. (laughs) The devil tempts you when you are weakest. The devil tempts you when you are weakest. That is, he kicks you while you're down. He does not play fair. He's a dog. (laughs) He will wait for the most strategic moment to strike. He will wait until you are weakest, most vulnerable, and then he will come. And so take a look with me at verse 3. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God. Now understand this if clause here actually means better in English, since. That is, what is being said here is, is in view of the fact that you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. That is, Satan is saying, you know what, you have the power to take care of this need yourself, so do it. <laughs> I mean, God's obviously forgot about you or... Or he's obviously not interested, so hey, you know, satisfy yourself. Take matters into your own hands. You can. You have the power to do that. Fill this in. The first temptation of Satan in Jesus' life, and likewise in our life as well, As this. He gets us to question. He caused Jesus to question God's provision. God's provision. Satan is saying, hey man, you're the son of God. Why is your father not taking care of you? Why would he allow his only son to suffer? Why would he allow you literally to suffer to the point that you're starving to death? Where is he? That is ultimately, you know, this this probably that that can't be God's will, you know. Satisfy yourself, take care of it yourself. Why are you depending on God? That seems totally ridiculous. And so, likewise, the devil comes to us and listen, he'll put this thought in your mind hey, I'm a Christian, I'm trying to follow God. I've given my life to God. Why isn't God taking care of me? Where is he? Why Why does it always have to be so hard, so difficult? Why am I suffering so much and my family wrestles so much? So listen, I can't take the pain. I'm going to go fix my need in this moment my way. I can't take the pressure I'm gonna go try to take the pressure off my own way. I'm gonna go try to meet my need, my way, my time. God's not doing what I want Him to do on my timetable. I'm just gonna go feel better on my own. That is, Satan always takes a legitimate desire. And here the desire is just kind of to eat and survive. Kind of a legitimate desire, right? But you can put any desire or any need into this scenario. It can be the desire for companionship, the desire to achieve, the desire for sex, the desire for approval, any legitimate desire. Satan takes a legitimate desire, and God's Word speaks to us about what God's will is to fulfill that desire in the right way. But he'll take that legitimate desire and he will tempt you to fulfill it in an illegitimate way. And so for an example, a legitimate desire, I want companionship. So God says, listen, don't be unequally yoked. That is, don't date and don't marry someone who doesn't love me and is following me. Don't do it. Better not to marry than to marry the wrong person. They will make you or break you. And then Satan comes in and says, Hey, you know what? God's not bringing that mate. You know, you're, you're not getting any younger. (laughs) You're lonely. Better go take care of your need yourself. That is Satan loves to whisper in our heads God, why? Why aren't you taking better care of me? Ever hear that this week? Well, how did Jesus fight? How did he overcome? that temptation, this lie from the devil to get him to doubt his Father's goodness and ultimately to fail in the mission that the Father sent him to do. Verse 4 it says, And Jesus answered him, what? It is written. It is written. That is Jesus quoted Scripture and he's quoting Deuteronomy 8.3 here man shall not live by bread alone. That is, Jesus says, I trust God's word over my present need. I trust God's provision in his way, in his time. That is, say, or Jesus used scripture to fight Satan's Temptation, not some elaborate divine power or resource that we don't have access to. Jesus fought the battle, listen, as a Spirit-filled man and a Word-of-God-filled man. And so we likewise effectively resist temptation by being filled with the Holy Spirit and shining the light of God's truth on the dark lies of our enemy. Jesus modeled it. Jesus had victory, and he showed us how we can have victory as well. Now, Satan doesn't give up there. He keeps pressing, in the second temptation he throws at Jesus, and ultimately in like manner to us, is he questions God's promises. Fill that in. He questions God's promises. Take a look with me at verse 5. It says this. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a what? In a moment of time. That is, Jesus has a spiritual encounter here. Jesus has an intense spiritual experience here, a vision. And the source of that spiritual encounter is Satan himself. That is, I want us to understand, church. Satan can give you a spiritual encounter. Satan can give you a dream, a vision. An angel can come from the very presence of Satan and masquerade himself as an angel of light. And so I say to you, please, always judge experience, your experience and someone else's experience by the Word of God. Experience does not trump the Word of God. Now, here is the trouble today. Not judging the people that possibly you may hear this from, but wanting to give a caution, let me go here. One extreme is not to believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want you to be open to that. I want you to understand that you have a supernatural God, and we are to believe that He intervenes and works today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Got it? Okay. On the other extreme, some sincerely, others I think because they are Deceived in a desire for people to be open to the spirit, this is what people will say hey, don't put God in a box, man. You got to be open, whatever God wants to do, man. Just open yourself up and believe. You know, it doesn't have to totally be in the Bible, man. God can do new things. Ever hear that? Well, here's the problem with that that's nonsense. Because the God who can do all things, who can't be put in a box, you're absolutely right, said, hey, Kurt, if you want to know if it's me or not, then you better look and see if it meets this. He's the one who gave me this to have the litmus test to say that's the Holy Spirit. That's not. And so what we have in our day, understand it's been happening since the beginning of the church. Is we have a resurgence of the new age, we have the resurgence of Gnosticism. We have the resurgence where the devil is in the end times, we're told, that he is preparing the church for a great deception, and it is ramping up. And listen, that, that statement doesn't make people... Deceive, but it prepares people to be deceived. To allow experience to trump that which God has to say. Now, listen, I am not against experience. That's the other extreme. Just please hear me. We must judge everything by God's word. It is God. Who can do all things, who can't be put in a box, who says, test every spirit. It is God who wrote in Corinthians, listen, there are a bunch of false teachers going around. Don't put God in a box. This is God. We're doing this. And Paul goes, uh, 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 uh. That's not God. This is the Holy Spirit. Knock that off. Do that. Nothing new under the sun. Here's the other thing that's said. That I also think sets you up for de- deception. Not, maybe not now, but it is the setup. And that is this. Well, hey, if it's happening in church, hey, if it's a guy like me that's your pastor, hey, open yourself up, man. It's church. I, it, you're not going to get deceived in church. Whatever spirit's in the room, that, that's got to be God. Once again, I would say to you, that is not true. And that is a setup for you to be deceived. Whether it's a concert, whether it's a church, whether it's a Bible study, whether it's camp, I don't care. I hear it a lot of places. Always judge whatever spirit in the room By God's Word. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox. (laughs) Verse 6. And said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me. That is, we know Satan's called the prince of the power of the air, the God of this world. And I will give it to whom I will, if you then will, what? Worship me. It will all be yours. This is calling into question God's promises. Now, let me paraphrase this for you, what Satan is saying. Jesus, listen, I know why you've come. You have come for the whole world. You have come to rule the whole world. That is one of the promises of the Messiah, is that he will rule and reign. He will have world domination. For example, I'll show you one of the promises in Psalm 2 verses 7 through 8 here on the screen. This is God speaking, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make you the na- I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth what your possession. That is, the Bible says that one day Jesus will rule and reign over all the earth. And so first, Jesus came to redeem it by his death on the cross. And so what Satan is suggesting is this. Jesus, why do it the hard way? Why go the route of suffering? Listen, take the shortcut. And here it is. Listen, I will give you what you want. I will give you your best life now. I will give you the power and the privilege and your prosperity now. Listen, you don't have to deny God. Just look to me for a while. Look to me and I will prosper you. I will give you prominence. No pain, no suffering, No cross, just indulge me a little bit here. And I'll give it to you. I will give you what you want. Instant gratification. Make your life happy now because, hey, that's what life's about. It's short, so you better be happy now. And ignore eternity and ignore God. Now instead, the child of God says this, now I'm going to wait for my Lord. I'm going to trust in my God. I'm going to stand upon His promises that He will provide what is best for me when He thinks it's best. He's all-powerful. And he will give it to me if it is what is best for me. And so I trust him. And So notice what Jesus says here in verse 8. And Jesus answered him, what? It is written. It is written. Again, Jesus always goes back to the word. He always points us back. To truth, you shall worship the Lord your God and him what only shall you serve. Now, the third temptation is this. Fill this in in your notes. Satan questions God's protection, God's provision, God's promises, God's protection. Take a look at verse nine. It says this. And he took him to Jerusalem. Set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here for what? It is written. <laughs> now notice here. Uh oh. This is the devil quoting scripture. <laughs> Satan knows the Bible. We need to understand that Satan is a better theologian than you and me. He knows God's Word better than we do. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He has been conning humanity for a long, long time. And so when it comes to quoting the Bible, he's good at it. And he's good at twisting it. And he's good at leaving little parts out or adding little parts in. And so here he is going to quote Scripture, listen, proposing that one or two verses is all God has to say about his will on something. Take a look at verse 10. For it is written, and Satan is quoting Psalm 91 here, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Now Satan's suggestion here, based on God's word, he doesn't misquote it here, says you're the Son of God, Jesus. Hey, God the Father protects His Son. He promises to do it, so let's test Him. Let's see if He comes through. Let's give Him an opportunity to to fulfill what He says He will do. And so Jesus says, you know what? You're right. That's part of the picture. That's part of what God says. God does promise to protect me, but ultimately that's not all what God says about what my life will consider. It's not all of what God says about His protection in fact, God's word also says verse 12, and Jesus answered him, "It is said, you shall not put the Lord your God what? Yes. to the test." That is I want us to understand, church, you can take any verse. You can take any portion of scripture and make it say anything you want it to. Anything. And listen, unbelievers do it all the time. You know, don't judge. The Bible says don't judge, right? Well, that's part of what that verse says. False teachers do it all the time. Cults do it all the time. And so this is why we must understand the whole counsel of God's Word. Listen, every word has a context. Every verse has a context. Every chapter has a context. Every book has a context. And in order to rightly understand one verse of the Bible, you need to understand the whole of the Bible. And so listen, we preach the whole council of God's Word here at Grace Chapel. one of our values is you can clap for that <laughs> hey, you, you can tell I bleed it a little bit. I get a little fired up about it, but one of my values is biblical preaching. and so that's why I teach to you verse by verse and and i I am worried about modern day preaching that gives you a few verses and a lot of jokes and a lot of stories. We preach God's word verse by verse because I want you to be edified by the words of God and I so, so want to protect you from the deception. Yes. Okay. I didn't mean to land there so much. Okay, well, verse 13 concludes here. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until what? Can hardly wait till Jesus just pounds him in the dirt. (laughs) That is, the devil was done for a moment. (laughs) He was done. He would be back at the next most strategic. Time And as we go through the gospel look, we'll see that Jesus is opposed every step by darkness as he seeks to proclaim his kingdom. Now, real quick, as we close, I want to give you seven key truths about temptation. This is how we win. This is how we win. First, fill this in, in your notes. Jesus is your victory. We just sang about it. Jesus is your Victory, that is, ultimately, take a look on the screen with me at Colossians 2, verses 13 through 15. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this He set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by what? Triumphing over them in Him. So here's what that is, Satan. Satan talks to the child of God, you and me. And listen, he talks us into breaking God's laws And then He comes along and He accuses us and condemns us and shames us. And He says, there you go again. There's your sin. There's those words. There's those thoughts. There's those deeds. You're no good, man. You're a failure. You ain't ever going to get it right. You belong to me. You're my possession. You better worship me. I got you hooked. I got you hooked on this or I got you hooked on that. You're never going to be free." And Jesus comes humbly, and and He's tempted in every way that we are, yet without sin, and He goes to the cross. And what looks like the greatest defeat in history is actually the greatest victory as He sets free the captives, us, and we become the children of God. And so Jesus dies on the cross, and in doing so, He cancels He cancels every right that Satan has over you. You do not belong to him. He has no power over you anymore. You belong to God. Your guilt is gone. Your shame is gone. You're not a slave. You are a son or daughter of God. You're not an addict. You are a worshiper of the Most High. Jesus triumphed over Satan on the cross. He cannot have you. He cannot defeat you. Jesus has won the victory. Second, fill this in. You have the power by the Holy Spirit. we got to believe this stuff, folks. You have the power by the Holy Spirit. That is the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. You have in you to overcome temptation. Problem is we don't believe that. The same power that Jesus used to resist everything that the devil threw at him is in you to overcome whatever temptation. Is in me to overcome whatever temptation. My problem is, your problem is, We don't believe it. We don't believe in the love of God. We don't believe in the power of God. Third, fill this in. You fight with the sword of the Spirit. You fight with the sword of the Spirit. That is, Satan will lie, and so we counterpunch with the truth. That's how Jesus did it. That's how we do it. Fourth, fill us in. You stand in your identity in Christ. You stand in your identity in Christ. That is, in Christ you are a new person. You are no longer the person that you used to be. You are forgiven. You are fully loved. You are fully accepted. You are salt and light. You are empowered. You are called. You are equipped in every way. We could go on, but the issue is, by faith, I need to believe it is so because God has declared it to be, and so I stand in who I am now in Christ. Fifth, fill this in. Escape is always possible. Escape is always possible. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation is overtaking you that is not common to man. That is, everybody faces the same stuff. You're not the only one. You're not, you know, the... Uh, the exception to the rule. <laughs> Nobody knows what I go through. <laughs> right? No temptation is not common to us all. God is faithful and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with that temptation, He will also provide what? The way of escape. That you may be able to to endure it. That is, some of you think you can't get free of it. Some of you think you can't change. Some of you think you failed way too many times and so you blame it on someone else. You try to manage it. You try to hide it. Now here's the deal. God will always show you a door. Now, if you think about temptation in terms of fishing, you know, temptation is the bait. Whatever's going to get you, and the devil knows what it is, and you know what it is too. Temptation is the bait that covers Satan's hook, that he wants to stick in your mouth and drag you into death, separate you from the love and relationship you have with God. He can't have you, but he can drag you into darkness and neutralize you. And here's what I want us to to understand, that in every temptation, there's always a door or a hook. And so run to the door. Run to the door. With the Holy Spirit and with God's Word, we can resist every temptation. Jesus showed us how. Six, fill this in. Satan will eventually tap out. Satan will eventually tap out. We saw this with Jesus' temptation. After 40 days, Satan tapped out. James 4 says if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. Satan will tap out. And then seventh, fill this in. Listen, when you tap out, that is, you give in, you fail. (laughs) Repent and get back up. Repent and get back up. That is, life is a battle full of a lot of rounds. And here's the deal. Jesus went to the cross, and he was raised on the third day, and he is seated at the right hand in the heavenlies, and He disarmed the rulers, and He's filled you with the Holy Spirit, and He's extended you grace and mercy so that you get back up. Grace empowers you to get back up. Grace empowers you to move forward once again. Grace empowers you to grow and to become all that God created you to be do not stay down never give up know his blood is always greater his love is always greater never stay down and give Satan the opportunity to kick you more than is necessary thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed this message For more sermons like this, visit us online at gracechapel.cc.